a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insight and the ability to see into dark realms, well, maybe, Karen and Jamie help decipher the witness prophecies. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Karen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You ready to talk some Sleepy Hollow tonight? I'm definitely ready to talk some Sleepy Hollow. How about you? I am. I'm ready to talk root of all evil. Yeah. I thought there's going to be more roots in this episode. <laughs> and more evil. <laughs> well, there's, there was plenty of evil in this episode. There was a lot of evil, actually. You're right. But not a lot of roots. No. Here. Lots of coins. I mean, we've had a lot of roots in the, the, uh, the series before, but mm-hmm. not in the episode called Root of All Evil. But yes, coins. There was coins everywhere. Yep. And uh, this was season two, episode three. As previously mentioned, it was entitled Root of All Evil, written by Len Wiseman and Philip Iscove. So um, we have a bit of a differing opinion about this episode, which I think will make this an interesting discussion. So what did you think about it? I gave it five Benedict Arnolds. Yeah, see, and I think you're a bit of a Benedict Arnold for giving it that rating. (laughs) Okay. Um, Whatever. (laughs) No, it's okay. Um, and I'm going to give it eight hot privateers in, uh, in deference to Matt Barr, who was a guest star on this episode. He's going to have a couple more appearances. And I say, yay. The cougar in me says, yay. <laughs> um, so uh, let's discuss the main story, which would be the coin. Yes, our uh, our horseman. I'm just going to call him Jenry Warman from now on. Yep, yep, we should. <laughs> Jenry Warman. He goes to uh, a bank uh, and drops off some coins uh, that are magical that will fill you with all of your deepest, darkest thoughts and desires and make you want to act them out. Um, mm. And uh, our first per- infected person is a bank worker who has worked there for like 15 years, who loved her job and was the nicest person ever. And she ends up trying to hold the bank up. Yeah. Here's something I really hated about this episode. Okay. Was Miss Sheriff shooting her. Oh, yeah. Why'd you hate that? Well, because I thought it was not warranted. I think that was a device to make us not trust her. Yeah, well, it worked. (laughs) It worked in my case. I didn't like her at all. Um, You're supposed to talk someone down from that. And that's exactly what Abby was doing. She heard the shot. She runs in. She talks her down. But uh, I think the writers, creators wanted us to view the um, the sheriff, Sheriff Reyes, as hasty and untrustworthy and trigger happy to lead us away from where I think they're going to lead the character later in the show. And uh, we'll talk about that when we get down to our predictions, what I think is going to happen with Sheriff Reyes. But I think they want us to not like her right now. Yeah, well... It's already true for me. (laughs) I refuse to let myself be manipulated. 
Well, I just, I didn't like that because the coin was manipulating that woman. She was a seemingly nice woman. And I just didn't think it was right. So... I did like the effect of uh, the the darkness overtaking them. Like, oh, like, that was awesome! Reminded me like dark clouds, like, and we thought think of negative thoughts as dark clouds in our mind, mm-hmm. and so I, I kind of like that. That was really cool with the black eyes mm-hmm. and the the smokiness. It was neat, very neat. So it was cool. It looked especially cool when Jenny was walking through the forest. Oh yeah, and it was over her eyes. I thought that was the best use of that effect. Um, she just looked almost evil when it appeared on her eyes. And, uh, she didn't look almost evil to me. She looked downright evil. Really evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like her, so it was hard to say completely evil, but it was, her eyes were evil. I'll put it that way. It wasn't a stretch for me because remember, we've seen her possessed before. So right. it wasn't a stretch for me to see her that way and to accept that maybe she is evil. Mm, there's a little bit of that left in her, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, she has a bit of that in her, a volatility, I think. Yes, yeah, she does. She does. And she proved that when she, uh, you know, went into Abby's police account without asking her to mm. find out more information about the sheriff. And she went off like a crazy woman when she found out that the sheriff was instrumental in putting her mother in a insane asylum which i mean i understand why you would go off that way but abby was trying sure. abby was trying to talk her down and she wouldn't have any of it well it's not just putting her in the insane asylum but that is part of why she thought her mother killed herself right and so essentially she blames sheriff reyes for her mother's death so I can see her going off for that. I mean, that's, you know, it's not just, hey, she put my mom in an assailant asylum. It's, hey, she is what led my mother to kill herself. Which is which is why the coin manipulated her to want to go out and kill Sheriff Reyes while right. she was hunting. Right. But that was the, the conversation that she and Abby had was like a sister fight times 10. I mean, right there, that was... The first time I really saw them acting like sisters, if it were, you know, on Red Bull, as it were. <laughs> so the, you, you're saying their argument had wings? Well, yeah. I mean, I, it's in my head because there was just a decision today that Red Bull had to pay a bunch of people money. Oh, yeah, really? Because they were. How do, I get, how do I get in on that? It's, it's on my Facebook page. I just, okay. I, uh, I re, I would say retweeted, but it's Facebook. I, uh, shared the story, but, um, they they have to give like $10 to every person who claims they bought a Red Bull because they made claims about the product <laughs> that, <laughs> that were untrue. untrue. And I said, do you mean oh. it doesn't give you wings? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's just funny that um, that's what came to mind. And then you said that. But yeah, it's uh, that's what it seemed like to me. Just a really amped up version of a sister fight. Um, I happen to have a sister. And so it, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, 
That sounds really familiar. And if my sister had done anything like that, man, it would have been a slap fight extreme. <laughs> well, I, I kind of like the use of the sister fight and what happened with that in this episode with, with going into Abby's account to look up Sheriff Reyes because it let us know that there's a little bit more dimension to what happened with their mother that they don't know about that I think is going to be revealed more as the season goes along. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I kind of really felt like that was the whole purpose of this episode because later in the episode when she was trying to talk um, Jenny down in the woods and, and convince her not to shoot Sheriff Reyes, she's saying, well, maybe this is a part of the horseman's plan all along is so that we'll kill Sheriff Reyes and we won't find out more about her mom. Maybe there's something we need to know about her mom to help us with this fight against mm -hmm. them. So it was very blatant and obvious foreshadowing that we're going to learn more about their mother. Which is good. I, w I wanted to learn more about that connection as well. And also the fact that Henry wants to get, I'm sorry, Jenry Warman wants to get Irving out of the asylum. That is definitely going to be playing into his plan as well, I think. Yeah, and Irving is kind of up mm -hmm. in the air about what he wants to do. I'm shaking uh, my head over that one. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to do because I mean, Ichabod obviously manipulated his way in the end of the episode to to, to let him know, hey, you can't let this guy be your lawyer because he's he's evil. He's the right. horseman of war. And if that were me, and granted, I wouldn't want to be locked up in an insane asylum either. But if someone said, hey. Your lawyer's a horseman of war, and he wants to use you as an agent yep. of evil. I'd be like, okay, I, hands off. Yeah. Yeah. He's not my lawyer. I, I'll find right. someone else. But no, he's like, oh, he's going to get me out of here. And then he's like contemplating in his room, like, what do I do? Of course you know what you're supposed right. to do. Let him go. <laughs> Tell him to back off. <laughs> So I'm wondering if the blood and the signing of the Ooh. contract has anything to do with that. Thank you for reminding me about that. I didn't even why? think about that. Yeah. Oh, really? That has to be why he's thinking about it. Now, he also looked weird. He looked thinner, Thinner didn't he? and like gaunt. And yeah. beat up. I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. Like, are they sucking his life force out or something? Maybe, like, the blood thing infected him with sort of some, like, evil brain worm or mm. something. I don't know. I don't know. He looks really, I don't know, emaciated almost. I just know that they're going to have to save him before the season. Oh, yes, over. definitely. Either that or he's going to be a horseman, mm. one of the two things. That's true. Something's going yes. to happen to him. And I think you hit the nail on the head just there. I did not remember about the blood and I really should be on my game about that. But, um, yeah, I think that's what's causing him to vacillate about keeping Henry. Good, good, good callback on that. I had completely now, when forgotten. It, when it comes to blood... And it comes to being a lawyer. Now, remember, the second guy to get the coin got Henry to be his, or Jenry, to be his uh, his uh, 
lawyer as yeah. well. Now, do you think we didn't see a scene of it? But do you think when Jenry went in to see the guy who blew up the flower shop that he had him sign a a, a contract and blood? As I don't well? think he needed to. He just needed to give him the coin. He he didn't need him to do anything. Okay. Um, he was easily manipulated. I think he needs Irving for more. All he needed to do was use that guy with a coin. Okay. Uh, he could have. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. But he, I think that guy I mean, was just a pawn. I want to, did that, did that guy, was that guy in the flower shop? Mm-mm. No, no, he was okay. just watching. Because I thought that was a plot hole for a second. I was like, wait a minute, did he? <laughs> no, he was outside, he I think. Up? But uh, but I I was kind of convinced that maybe he is luring up with people to to build a little army. He could be. He could be. Now he might have gotten him to sign in order to. Okay, wait. Moloch could not raise his demons and bring him bring them out of purgatory. Ah. So if Henry could get that guy to sign in blood, and then get him to he use the get- coin. He could be building this army outside of purgatory. That could. And remember, there was a scene between Abraham and Henry and Abraham wants to know what's going on. And he's like, Moloch has a plan. Just trust Mm -hmm. in Moloch, blah, blah, blah. And there seems to be a little division between Abraham and Henry because, you know, Abraham wants more information and Henry's not giving it to him. I think a lot of this is General Warman's plan, though. That he's trying to get in good graces with Moloch. And I think he's just putting Abraham off. Because, you know, he Moloch has said, I'm going to do it myself. Yes. And Jenry true. has said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get back in your good graces. So <laughs> I think there's a bit of a disconnect there. I think Jenry's starting to go off the rails. Well, if you notice, Jenry is really looking for... Acceptance oh, from somebody. Yes. It's from somewhere. And, I mean, he wants it right. from Moloch big time. Well, and I'm going to have to say, I might be starting to believe our caller Justina's theory about Jenry because he did set up shop in his old family home that he was born in. And then he uh, has that flashback to being born. Mm-hmm. And he walks in the room and he sees the bed and there's that moment, there's a look on his face like of anguish, like, oh, I really wish I had my mom's love, but I don't. Uh, I'm so sad that then he just burns the bed. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe Jenry is savable. Hmm. I don't know. No? I don't know. I have a sinking feeling he just isn't. But uh, who knows? He's talking to Ichabod. He is talking to Ichabod. I'll, I'll say that. That they is had. not, it wasn't a happy chat. No, it wasn't. It was sort of, <laughs> hey, dad, I don't give a crap what you think. I'm going to do what I want and you're not going to win. Yeah. I did like the, uh, so your son's a lawyer. Isn't daddy proud? <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of funny, uh, but in a very dark way. He's he's channeling um, Walternet big time from Fringe. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And I really, I love it. It's stretching the boundaries of, of what I know of John Noble already. I mean, I've seen him act way outside the box big time, but this is just crazy good. And, uh, oh, and also talking about the coin, I thought it was ingenious to tie the coin to Benedict Arnold. Oh, yes. That, that's why Benedict Arnold was the most notorious traitors of, of all time. Yeah, that it wasn't really someone becoming a traitor for no reason. It was this coin turning him. And it was, yeah. it was pretty good to pull that together. I just want to know how many more historical figures is Ichabod going to have known before the end of this seven-year series? <laughs> there's a lot that they could pick up on. I mean, there are so many historical figures from back then. I already um, know that he knows he knew Sam Adams and Paul Revere. Sure. Well, he's already mentioned Paul Revere. Yeah. So, and he, he's mentioned both of the, well... Both of the Adams brothers, Sam and John, has he mentioned John Quincy? I'm sure he knew John Quincy. He hasn't mentioned John Quincy, but I'm pretty sure he probably knew him. Yeah, and he knew the Baron that he mentioned in this clip that we're going to play in a little bit. Um, and in doing so, he probably knew one of John Adams's other sons who was also an acquaintance of the Baron's. Um, cause John was concerned that his son was fraternizing with the Baron. Mm, yeah. There's a, there's a reason why he'd be concerned about fraternizing right. with the Baron. Yes. Did he know Thomas Jefferson? Yes. He said he knew Thomas. Yeah. Yes, he did. And because Thomas. he knew that Thomas Jefferson would never cheat on his wife. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, uh, Yeah. That was finding out that one of his heroes had clay feet. So what did you think of the connection of the coins to Judas and Jesus? Well, that's definitely a very widely known piece of lore, the 30 pieces of silver thing. Um, also a similar kind of legend that it, it kind of turns someone. Yes. Um, it's different, which is why they probably didn't delve into it so much. You know, it being a shekel and that sort of thing. Um, I think them linking it to Benedict Arnold made it for a much more clear um, link to the actual episode. And they also wouldn't get in trouble with religious people. <laughs> yes, of course. Um but yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see parallels with it. Um, and I think that that leaves them open for those coins, the other 29 coins to be found at some other point. I don't know that they'll fall back on that, but. Well, you know. we already know that their, their mercenary friend, Nick Hawley, is going to go out looking for the other 29. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't think this is the last we've seen of the coins. No, probably not. And it just dawned on me, I, I must be an idiot, that this episode was called Root of All Evil, and it was about a coin that turns people evil. Right. Which falls back in line with Ichabod's tirade at the bank last week. Yeah. So I'm thinking these writers have something against money. 
Do you think? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, they talked about the bank. They talked about, and last week there was issues with the bank as well and credit yes. mm-hmm. and the guy being kind of smarmy. So, yeah. And it, ju- and it just so happens that the first person that fell victim of the coin is resentful of the fact that she's given her life to a bank mm-hmm. and she hasn't gotten anything back out of it. Mm-hmm. So. And last season there was a lot of talk about money, paying money for water, the tax on food. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of things like that. So, yeah. It's, in 10 years from now, they're going to be watching Sleepy Hollow and college courses on uh, its subversive nature towards capitalism. <laughs> well, you never know. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, look back at that time in history. And I think, you know, a lot of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence were rebels. They were. I, I mean, they looking were. back from our point of view, they don't look that way. They look stodgy and, you know, but back then they were. They were breaking apart from the the... Establishment. Yeah. I mean, they were rebels. I wouldn't necessarily say that they were the Walter Whites of their time, though. Mm. But, uh. No, but I mean, as far as money goes, you know, the whole thing was taxation without representation. Yes, that is true. Um, now I'm going to give you a different historical perspective. Okay. Uh, some people say that the, the, the Constitution, which was written by them, um, was not really all about these highfalutin things that we always talk about, like popular sovereignty and, and you know, individual rights and, you know, democracy. It was really an economic document written by a bunch of white guys protecting their economic interests. Yeah, well, <laughs> a little bit. But they were also breaking away from the, something they thought was unfair. That's true. So, yeah, it was in their economic interest, but they thought it was unfair. You know, they weren't getting anything out of the deal <laughs> at all. They were having to pay the motherland a tariff and still having to give them goods. Yep. So, you know, it wasn't fair. No, it wasn't fair. You're right. I give you that. It wasn't fair. They were... They were still having to send over raw materials and then have those raw materials turned into goods that then they were going to have to pay taxes on. Correct. So it was, they were getting screwed both ways. Yes, they were. And, you know, they were rebelling against that and saying, well, we're not going to take that anymore. And so I think that their stance on things would have been, well, you know, we're not taking their banking practices. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? If if they were the bank, if England was the bank, okay. You know, they would have been against that sort of thing. So basically, they were the 99% of their time. Right. <laughs> exactly. And say, you know, if the banks that were set up in their towns were run by the English, you know, I know they were English, but you know, the non-regulars as it were. Um then they would have rebelled against it like Ichabod and Abby are talking about the banks as they go into them now. Okay. That makes sense. I get you there. 
I, I don't know. I guess I'm so cynical. I just like to think of a bunch of old white dudes. <laughs> See, and that's how we'd look at them. Because they were all lawyers and doctors and things like that. But So they were the rock stars of their day. Well, yeah. Rock stars, though. <laughs> God, they make so much money. It's not even funny. They're part of the 1% now. Yeah, they are. So um, one of the things I noticed, uh, not to get up, I mean, we're done with that subject, right? Yes, we are. We're moving on. So we're talking about Henry as a lawyer a minute ago. Yes. And one of the things I noticed was that Henry tells Ichabod that he's building quite a client list. Yes. And so we know he has two clients right now, which is the bomb kid, right? And, and Irving. Yes. And again, now you've said the signing and blood thing. And so now you've put that in my head that maybe he is building an army outside of purgatory. So do you think that might be an illusion to him putting together some sort of a... I think it some is. Some sort of a cabal? I think he is trying to build a little tiny you know, foot soldier army. Because, I mean, think about it. You're Abby and you're Ichabod. You really can't tell everybody around you about this, but if you really need it, you have you know, the police force to help you out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so on this plane of existence outside of purgatory, who do the horsemen of war and, you know, the headless horsemen have to help them fight their battle? No one except the two of them. So right. you have to build an army. And I'm thinking they're going to have to have more forces to, to keep Katrina and whoever else they want on their side that isn't going to stay by their own will. Um, you know, Katrina okay. isn't, they, they still know Katrina isn't going to want to stay with them, right? I think they figured her out. I don't think they think that they're going to be able to keep her, just the two of them. So they're going to have to, yeah, they're going to have to have reinforcements of some sort in order to keep the people they need and to keep Ichabod away. Here's a thought. Where's the Hessians in all of this? They're around. Because didn't we see them a couple episodes ago? We saw them in the first episode this season, but we haven't seen them since. Yeah, they're around. They pop up whenever force is necessary. And, you know, I'm guessing that they would be part of Henry's client list. Yes. And Henry wouldn't need to get them to sign in blood. So as soon as he needs his little cabal together, all he'd need to do is call them and he'd be, they'd be there. I want to know what Henry's promised them to work with him. Well, I think they just, I think they know that they would get a reward because they, they serve Moloch. I wonder if they're going to get immortality. Sure. Immortality Mm. and whatever they want. You know, they get power and, you know, whatever evil people get. 
in the afterlife, which, as we know, is nothing because good always wins. I'm not so sure about that in Sleepy Hollow. Hey, <laughs> it's a story. Good always good wins. Always win. Yeah. Um, and before we yes. move on, seriously, I want to talk about Nick Hawley. Okay, what about Nick Hawley? First of all, there are people shipping him with Ichabod, and I think they're calling him what? Um, Holabod? Holabod. Yeah, Holabod. They're shipping um, them already. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the two of them. I don't know why. Um, I guess because they're both attractive guys. Well, and it's just that Ichabod can't stand him to the point where maybe he's just trying to hide something. <laughs> Do you think that's it? <laughs> maybe. Holabod. I thought it was cute. Holabod. Um, but Nick Hawley is played by Matt Barr. And I say row to that. <laughs> um, he was on an episode of Castle that I really liked. Um, and he was the murderer in the end, but I still liked him on that. And he was also on Hellcats. Uh <laughs> Which was a short-lived show that, um, I hate to say, but I really liked it. <laughs> it was about cheerleaders. Oh, I've heard about this show. Uh, I have yeah. a friend that really liked that for a while. Yeah. And was very was a, upset when it got canceled. He was a cowboy. <laughs> and I have a weakness for cowboys. So, um, And he was in a bunch of other stuff, and he's just kind of that rough and tumble kind of, you know, his jeans are always kind of torn up and... He's always got some scruff and I don't know. I just, I really like him. So with the combination of him and uh, Tom Meissen, they're just, it's nice eye candy. I just going to call out a double standard here right now. Why? You as a woman saying how great you think Nikali is and whatnot, everyone would say it's okay. But if I started talking about Nicole Bahari and um, I don't know the actress who plays Jenny or the actress who plays Katri Katrina, um, I, I'd come off creepy. No, they're all gorgeous. You can talk about them. Okay. All you want. All I want. I'm all right with it. I think they're all gorgeous. They are. This whole cast is amazingly gorgeous. I think they're, over the top. They're almost too pretty. pretty for their own good. I know. I could just all five of those people. I could just put them all in front of me and just look at them all day. <laughs> Honestly. Now that's creepy. What? <laughs> I'm joking. They're so pretty. I'm just teasing you. It's it's honest. It's like you know they're a piece of art that you could hang on their on your wall. They're so pretty. Okay. Um. Well, I'm sorry, but they are. I was mesmerized in the picture by Tom Meissen's eyes. Okay. They're just that piercing blue. It's very pretty. I have to say, I am mesmerized each week by Nicole Pahari's eyes, so See? I understand. Yeah. They're just pretty. Yeah, they are. And I still yeah. think that they're going to be the most handsome interracial couple on TV ever. <laughs> well, and, you know, there's the whole, um, I guess, what would it be, inter- Alive dead couple? I don't know. <laughs> if it was Katrina and Ichabod. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. In, enter the uh, 
intercentural couple? Intercorporeal? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I. it's just nice to have another guy on the show that's like, in a good age range. I understand. I understand. I mean, the guy's got three attractive women. The, right. the women needed some more attractive guys to look at. Sure. I mean, I love John Noble. He's amazing. Um, as an actor, I dig him. But it's hard for me to look at him and go, yeah, I could watch him all day. I mean, I could, but as an actor. Right. Um, and Orlando Jones is great. But I don't know that I would put him in my scrapbook, if you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. So, yeah, I got one more piece of eye candy to look at, and you still got the three. So, <laughs> hey, you know. We don't see Katrina all that often, just so you know. She, We got to see her a couple times last night. Yes, we did. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, Matt Barr. Again, I know we got a little off topic there because, you know, I got my cougar happening. Um, but Matt Barr is, was in this episode and he's also going to be in a couple more episodes, including the next week um, where he's going to end up being like a Pied Piper type thingy or helping out with a Pied Piper type creature. Yes. Um, which I will, well... I'll give you the summary now if you want, because it's not really a spoiler. Yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. Um, It's called Go Where I Send Thee. And the the summary is Abby and Crane's search for a missing sleepy hollow child reveals a creature akin to the Pied Piper, whose legacy with the child's family extends back to a century old, old curse in Go Where I Send Thee on Monday, October 13th. 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. So he's going to help them with that. Um, and I'm wondering if they don't try and get the coin back. <laughs> I think we have a newest member to our Scooby crew. Yeah? Yeah. You know, I would call him the Shaggy. <laughs> so then what? He definitely fits the Shaggy mold. Then what is Ichabod? Ichabod is like... He's Fred. He's Fred. Okay. Yeah, he's Fred. Yeah, all the other people are like, you know, the guy who works on the van. <laughs> I think it's Ichabod, Abby, Jenny. Um, now we got Nick. Yeah. Katrina. And we used to have Irving, but we don't know about him anymore. Yeah, I don't know. And I still think that Sheriff Reyes is going to join the fold. Do you? I think Is that going to be one of your predictions? That is one of I think the reason why she shot the woman at the beginning of the episode is so we would distrust her more. Uh, I think the reason she gave Abby the file is because not because she feels guilty, but because she wants Abby to know that Abby can trust her. Because she obviously knows something about Abby's mom that Abby doesn't know, that Jenny doesn't know, and it has something to do with all that's going on in Sleepy Hollow. And hmm. I think the person she was going off hunting with w was some sort of state official. 
And I think what she was trying to do was clear a path so that they can do what they need to do in Sleepy Hollow without any intervention from anybody higher up. Mm. All right. That's my prediction. It's a good one. I can see that. I still don't like her. <laughs> You're going to love her before the season's over. All right. So you say. They also it. told me I'd like Rachel in Orphan Black, and I'm sorry. I still don't like her. <laughs> She's the worst. But hey, I'll I'll keep an open mind when it comes to Sheriff Reyes for you. Okay. Because you say so. I'll keep an open mind. No, I have to do, do say the actress that plays Sheriff, Sheriff Reyes before this had a short stint on House of Cards where she was like the Secretary of State. And I hated yes. her on House of Cards. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, she was the worst. I just don't want her to be on every on every show. I don't want her to be the hated character. The bad guy. Yeah. Well, to be fair, no one is very likable on House of Cards. Oh, I love Frank. Yeah, but he's not likable either. Oh, I think I would hang out with Frank. Mm, I don't think you'd want to hang out with him. Mm. If it got all weird like it does at the end of the second season, then maybe I wouldn't. But Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you'd want to be a fly on the wall where he is. I don't think you'd actually want to have a drink with him. I'd be afraid what's in that drink. Right. <clears throat> see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So anything else with the story? I think... I think we, I think we covered, the, covered the, story. the story. Jinx. Uh, <laughs> buy me a Red Bull. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, um, I don't have a nitpick, but I know you do. Yes, I do. And the, the, our audience is probably going to call me Debbie Downer before the end of the season because I'm always no, going to have a nitpick. So. I kind of agree with you on this one. Uh, I don't like filler episodes and this is what this felt like. It felt like a filler episode. Uh, if you're going to move the plot along, just move the plot along as you move the entire plot along. If you want us to, to reveal something to us about Abby's mother or let us know that we're going to learn more about Abby's mother, do that in the course of moving the rest of the story along. Don't just put a filler episode in there. Do that. And that's my gripe. Okay. Uh, I agree with you to a certain point. I think we had a bit of a forward movement in this one in that we saw um, a bit about Henry and Ichabod, um, more about Henry than we have seen, Jenry Warman. Um, we saw more of Irving than we have seen, and we heard more about Jenny and Abby's parents than we have I, just, I feel like we got more backstory than we have seen yet this season. And I felt like the characters were a little more settled in their places. Like, you know, we've been seeing them not exactly settled yet. You know, they hadn't been put on the chessboard yet. And I think this is where they're at where they're going to start out in order to go where they need to go. So I kind of think this is the jumping off point. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that I would call it a filler episode. I get where you would call it one. So I'm not discounting your description of it. I'm just 
I guess I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I, I think of it as a kind of jumping off episode. Okay. But it it could be looked at both ways. I mean, it, it just depends on where they go from here. Like if next week, if Irving comes out of the asylum and starts on a different path, then this was a filler episode. You know, so, you know, it depends on where they go from here. I, I just kind of felt... Um I just felt like the coin plot was a little weak. I felt like it, it was a throwaway yeah. story. The only thing that was really ingenious with it was tying it back into um what's his name? I don't know. <laughs> I have to go back up. Benedict Arnold. Ben, yeah, Benedict Arnold. And I think it was a good way of getting Abby and Jenny to realize there might be more about their mother that they don't know. Right. Well, I mean, that was a way to tie that story in. Yeah. They could have done that any number of ways, but um, they chose the coin and the Benedict Arnold thing. I just thought it was clever to use the coin and to tie it into Benedict Arnold to use that twisted history like they do. Um, Ooh, twisted history. I want to yeah. start a band called Twisted History. Twistery. <laughs> Twistery. Um, and I don't have a nitpick. Um, I have an observation that I'm not the first person to make. Um, that the business card of Henry's firm is Parrish and Cipher. And I'm pretty sure that was a fringe reference to the ciphers they used uh, on fringe. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. Pretty funny, guys. Very clever boys. <laughs> or as my husband and I say every once in a while, which makes no sense, but it's funny to me. And this is like a little shout out to my husband. Um, what you going to do with those pies, boys? <laughs> um, killer clowns from outer space. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just I thought that was a pretty cool little, um, little observation. Nod. Yeah. No. Nope. Uh, if you look at the card, it's it's funny. I mean, it's Florence Corporate Center, Winshow Place, Winshow Place, as in horse race. Yes. Cherrytown, New York, horse. Get it? Mm-hmm. Horse, headless horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number is five 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 zero one two nine, as usual. Um, I wonder if we then, can email the email address. You can't. Parish and Cypher Web is not anywhere, okay. unfortunately. And it would have been really clever if they had set up a website yeah. for it. They w- it would have been. It would have been awesome. Yeah, but they didn't, unfortunately. Mm. I I was so excited when I took the screenshot and I was like, oh, I got to go there and see what's there. And it was like, oh, <laughs> nothing there. Lame. <laughs> this isn't lost. It's Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I know, but still, it would have been fantastic. But so yeah. Speaking of how clever that nod to Fringe was, shall we introduce our ac- anachronisms? <laughs> yes, let's do. I think yours was super clever. <laughs> so let's do yours first. Okay. Is that considered acceptable now? Oh. 
Lots of attitudes have changed since your days. Not everyone's, but the Supreme Court has upheld the constitutional right of same-sex couples, and more and more states are even legalizing gay marriage. I meant gentlemen wearing hats indoors. I know about homosexuals, thank you. I trained under Baron von Steuben. His affections for his own sex were well known. Also, I watched the finale of Glee. I love that. I, I watched the finale of Glee. I just like the tag on the end. I mean, that's the the whole speech is great. You know that you know. I know about homosexuals. <laughs> He's got that whole thing in, and then at the end, also I watched the finale of Glee. It's like a little <laughs> side note at the end. It's like, of course, I know this is acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great one. I give it a thumbs up. And the thing I thought was kind of interesting about that anachronism is it happened the same day that the Supreme Court made that decision, which pretty much invalidated 11 states' uh, gay marriage bans. So Mm -hmm. that's one reason why that that quote stood out to me or that that anachronism stood out to me while I was watching. Mm -hmm. This is a nice little poke. Yeah. At those states. Very good. So um, I had two because I just could not choose between them. But I think you'll approve. Okay. Um, Here's the first one, and it's really short. Um, I found this amusing just because of the reaction. Miss Jennifer Mills sent us. Yes, so she will vouchsafe her intentions. We endeavor to learn what you know of a rare coin. Why is he talking like that? You'll get used to it. <laughs> I just like that reaction. Why is he talking like that? <laughs> You'll get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just one, and I just found it amusing because of how how haughty he was yes. towards them. Vouchsafe for us. <laughs> and then this was, it's a longer one. It's kind of two instances in the same scene um you'll see okay (laughs) what is it whilst no greater advocate of revolution ever shook the walls of parliament than sam adams the man on this bottle is paul revere yeah surely your historical records show that adams would never have rolled up his sleeves he was far too aristocratic revere on the other hand was a minute man right hi i just need to see some id then your needs will remain unmet. I have no identification, nor indeed money to pay for my beer if I had. I fought a war for independence, yet I have none. It's okay, we're not drinking. <laughs> I just love that scene and how completely exasperated Abby is with him. You know, she's trying to stop him like three times. <laughs> Oh, so Ichabod. I just dug it. Yep. And looking at the beer. And it is true, by the way. It is not Sam Adams. And I never would have caught that ever. Really? It's if, true. If not for Sleepy Hollow. Yep. I had no idea. I didn't either. Apparently, Sam Adams is not the most attractive of fellows. Oh, okay. So they used Paul Revere. Hmm. They looked similar, except Sam Adams is. Kind of not 
pretty. Well, I think he was implying that Sam Adams would never brew beer. No, he was implying that Sam Adams was oh. pompous and would never look as look as relaxed as the picture on the outside oh, of that beer. Okay, that went over my head. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just he wouldn't look like the person on that beer. Um, if you look on the beer, it's um, he's got his sleeves rolled up and he looks kind of relaxed. And, oh, it's got the tri-tip hat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks almost identical to a picture of Paul Revere. So, well, a painting of Paul Revere, not a picture, but you know what I mean. So, yeah, uh, I just really dug that. And then the whole ID thing. And then, of course, that comes full circle at the end when he gets his own ID. Yes. And uh, I thought that was good. Yes, from Holly. And he doesn't uh, want to be in Holly's debt. Well, yeah, he think, he knows there's a catch. Yep. And I'm sure there will be. I, I did also like a scene, um, a little part of a scene that I could not catch sound to because there was no sound. When uh, Captain Reyes talks to Abby, pulls her into her office, and Ichabod has to turn around and run away. <laughs> Yeah. From the station very quickly because he doesn't want to get caught. And he actually does it like a like a full face shot into the camera as he turns around. It's very funny. Yeah, and I love his exit too. I, I well I guess I'll be on my way then. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye then. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Did we get any Are- listener feedback this week? We did. Um, If you don't mind. Go ahead. I will read the first one because it is actually a friend of mine. Oh, okay. He writes in quite a bit to the Storming the Castle um, podcast. And we have become pretty close friends over the last year or so. And uh, his name is Daryl. He's at Binkley 2013 on Twitter, on the Twitter machine. Um, And he writes, if they go with Katrina as a horseman, as you have said, it would only be fitting for a young actress to play famine or maybe Ric Flair if they really go off on a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) That's And he is, he's quite witty. Yeah. I really like him. Uh, So hopefully he'll give us feedback every week. He gives us, a letter almost every week for Castle, and he's incredibly insightful and witty and charming, and it's it's nice to have him listening to us here. So, hi, Daryl. Hi. Send us more. <laughs> Jamie says hi. Send us more feedback. <laughs> Please do. Um, and just for Daryl, he can write me on on the other email that he knows if he wants to. <laughs> Ooh, Daryl's special. Well, Daryl's my friend. Yeah. Um, and then we have a clip from Justina as well. So let me play that. Hi, this is Justina calling in for Witness Prophecies. My anachronism of the week. Wait, did you see that? Spool it back. I understand where you and Jamie are coming from, Karen, about how once you're a horseman there may be no way to come back. But I'm going to stick with my theory a little bit longer because I feel that if Jeremy was totally 
evil all the way to his core, he would be having more apathy. He decided to stay in his family home where he was born, and at the end of the episode, he burned the bed that he was born in. I feel that if he was truly evil all the way, he wouldn't have any emotions to connect him to these things. I feel like his anger of abandonment would not be so strong if his soul was totally taken over by evil, and he would be more apathetic towards things that have to do with his past. Yep. Interesting. Well, don't you think the same thing, that he can be redeemed? I kind of think maybe after seeing this episode that he might be able to be redeemed. Just saying. Yeah, I know you do. You don't think he can be, though? I... I don't know. You guys are really... I know you're trying... I know you are. I mean, who's to say you can't have more than one person end up being the horseman of war? You know what I mean? Like, if, if Jenry Warman can't end up being the horseman of war, someone else might st- step in and do it. Well, yeah, I understand that. I guess. I honestly think, and here's my prediction for Jenry Warman, he's going to end up turning good at the last minute, and he's going to end up sacrificing himself for Katrina. I see. Hmm. Do you think so for his mommy? I think so. I think I think he he's a mama's boy deep down. Hmm. D- so you think he's going to give up searching for the fake father's love? And instead, he's going to go for Katrina's. There is no greater love than a mother's love, right? Hmm. I don't know. Just saying. Well, I know. I, I have a lot to think about. That's all I have to say. <laughs> okay. So if you want to send us more feedback, the deadline every week is Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And you can send feedback through um, an audio file by calling 304-837-2278 and leaving us a voicemail just like Justina does. Or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can send us some text or send us an audio file by using our SpeakPipe link. Or you can contact us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at witnessprofgsm, and I'm on Twitter at secondcoursepc. That's N- the number two ND course PC, or at one with beard. And how can they find you on Twitter? I am at Alaveria, A L E V E R I A. Or you can become on the Twitter machine. Oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. That's all right. Or you can become a fan of Golden Spiral Media on Facebook. And we also have a Sleepy Hollow fan page on Facebook. So go find us and interact. It doesn't have to be an or. It can be an and. Yes. You can do all of those things. Do them all. Please. Flood your social media timelines with nothing but the witness prophecies, please. That's right. And Sleepy Hollow. I mean, it can just be Sleepy Hollow in general. Yes. That works too. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is fun, Jamie. Yes, it is. It is very I fun. like talking about Sleepy Hollow. Me too. I wish there was more to talk about from this week, but you know how I feel. No, it's kind of a light episode. It really was. Yeah. I just enjoyed it because there were some funny parts and we got another guy on the show and, you know, some good stuff, I thought. We'll see where that goes. Yep, we will. But it looks like there might be some interesting things happening next week. Yes. Some Pied Piper things. Maybe some sort of um, fairy tale-y things. Yes, it sounds like they're going to delve into the fairy tale realm a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're going to go for that... uh, Once Upon a Timey? Yeah, Once Upon a Time demographic. Grim thing? Yeah, that would be cool, because I love Once Upon a Time. And Grim. And, you know, Sleepy Hollow falls into that same sort of category for me. So Yeah, the, the fantasy, you know, fairy tale. I, I, I get that. Yep. Supernatural. Fantasy. It's fantasy, definitely. Yes. It's very dark. <laughs> it's fantasy. <laughs> A very dark fantasy. Yep. So, um... I guess we'll talk next week, yeah, Jamie? Yes, we Is it will. a date? It's a date. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> Don't tell my husband, then. <laughs> Although he's okay with it. Yeah, so. she's totally <laughs> All right, okay. and we'll talk to you guys next week, too. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.